an epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. There's plenty to celebrate in March. And ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds, it was shocking. I have to know what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. America's two great pastimes collide on this podcast. It is baseball and making money from the dog days of summer through the October Classic. Greg Faces Peterson's going to be free swinging at the betting board as he tries to hit a grand slam for your bankroll. Now here is GP. Welcome into the Zuni to Kill Studios from LB Overtime Betting. It is Greg Peterson coming at you once again, and I'm coming at you from the D out here in beautiful Las Vegas. I actually have Mike Palm and Derek Stevens literally inches to the left of me as they're recording an interview for the other podcast I do, That's Gold. And speaking of That's Gold, the host of it, one Steve Heitner, going to be joining me in the second segment. We're going to talk about his New York Mets. We're going to have a lot of fun. That's going to be great. In the final segment, I give you a side and total on every game on today's Las Vegas betting board in a little something I like to call touch them all. First things first, got a Twitter question into our mailbag. As always, feel free to tweet those at at one Please do not DM them. My DMs already mentioned that you do not want to open. It is like the Twilight Zone. Everything just goes wonky, and it results in no answer questions. But the timeline is always open, so let's get into it. So you have questions, and Greg may or may not have any insight into them, but let's dive into the Twitter mailbag. Tony Tomatoes at Antonio V-E-N-E-G-A-S. I don't want to say that incorrectly, underscore, as do you believe HR props is a viable strategy? At GNRS41, I believe betting top HR hitters like Trout and Bellinger are 2 to $3 prices. This is one in which I have to say no. The big reason why is if you're betting every one of these home run props on these guys that are plus 200, 
You need them to hit a home run if you got 200 on every one of these games. You need them to hit a home run in 54 games to break even. Not 54 total home runs, a home run in 54 games. At 300, it's out 40 to 41. This is one of these things where I can understand you being selective. Say that like Mark Canna of the Oakland A's just absolutely owns like some left-handed pitcher for the Toronto Blue Jays. Then maybe you take a look at it if you're getting like $6 or something like that. But this is not one of these things where I would not be betting it consistently. There's just no value in it long-term. And short-term, you need to get lucky like a Paul Goldschmidt seven home runs in nine games sort of stretch for it to really be profitable. So it's one of those things where I'm not necessarily a fan of it, especially with the big guys. There's some value from game to game when you see a hot trend, but doing it consistently, you're not going to come out profitable long-term, probably not even short-term either, in my opinion. So do appreciate the question at GNR41. Now let's take a look back at yesterday's results, try to find some trends and try to become better handicappers from it. What happened yesterday? Let's go around the bases and find out. The day started out with the Cincinnati Reds going to extra innings with the Philadelphia Phillies, being able to get a 4-3 win for the Philadelphia Phillies. They were able to get actually a very good start out of Jason Vargas. He winds up going 5-3 innings. He gives up two runs, both of which were earned, giving up a home run. We'll come from there at the Phillies, which has been pretty good recently. They wind up giving up a combined two runs over the course of four and two-thirds innings as the Cincinnati Reds were able to get this game thanks to a Philip Irvin walk-off home run. Hit for Philip Irvin, that is his sixth of campaign. And then in the sixth inning, you also had the Reds getting a pair of home runs from Eugenio Suarez, his 41st, and Jose Iglesias, his 11th, as Sonny Gray continues to be absolutely magical. I think he's given up four earned runs since the beginning of August. He goes six innings, giving up one run. Bullpen from there of the Reds, which has been shaky. Not so bad in this one. They gave up two runs over the course of five innings, so they certainly did their job there. And for the Reds, they played over 60% of their game, so the under, that is a trend that continues. The White Sox continue to play well against Cleveland Indians. The second time in the last three days, a win as a significant underdog by a count of 7-1. to Rinaldo Lopez with a very good start in this one. Gets 11 strikeouts, complete game, gives up one hit. That one hit did wind up driving in a run as Kevin Pilecki got an RBI double, but that said he was very good. Exactly, Zach. I thought there would be a little bit of regression coming in. His ERA entering into this one was right around a 3-6. Fielding independent more around a 5. Gives up six runs over the course of five innings, including a home run. Being able to get that home run for the Chicago White Sox was Wellington Castillo, his ninth of the year. And then the bullpen of the Cleveland Indians gives up no runs over the course of four innings. So they certainly did their job. They've got the best bullpen ERA out there in the big leagues. I don't know what's more surprising about this next one. The fact that the Detroit Tigers were a favorite in the game or the fact that they actually won it 6-4 the final in this one. Matthew Boyd continues to have his struggles for the Detroit Tigers. He's given up three earned runs or more in all but three of his starts ever since the beginning of the month of June. But in this one, the Detroit Tigers were able to help him out as he went six and a third innings, giving up three runs. Bullpen from there, two two-thirds innings, they give up just one run. But how about the Detroit Tigers getting a trio of home runs in the fourth inning off of Mr. Glenn Sparkman? Brandon Dixon, his 15th of campaign. Darwell Lugo, his fourth. And Jody Mercer, his eighth, as Glenn Sparkman. He had an ERA right around a four-ish, give or take a little bit at home. And this one, he delivers another bad start. Four innings pitch, he gives up four runs, all of which were earned. For the year, his ERA is now a 5.97 because on the road, his ERA is north of 18. Well, for the Royals, bullpen wasn't too bad. They gave up two runs over the course of five innings before the Royals 
They wound up not being able to get any home runs. They got 12 hits, but just one of seven with men in scoring position. And because this team is very top-heavy, they wind up leaving a lot of men on base. So that's the way the cookie crumbled there. And the St. Louis Cardinals just completely crumbled the cookie of anyone that was on the under. They get a 10-0 win over the Giants. This is for a St. Louis Cardinals team that has played right around 63% of their home games to the under and are now 16-3. and in Dakota Hudson's last 19 starts for Hudson, he was absolutely magnificent. Six innings pitch, gives up just one hit. Bullpen from there of Genesis Cabrera. Three innings save for him and for the Cardinals. They got a pair of home runs in this one. Paul DeYoung able to go deep for his 26th home run of the year. And Rangel Rivero winds up getting his first home run of the year. And I believe his first of his career. So good on him there. It's Logan Webb who had been showing some promise as a starter for the Giants. Well, he could, just could not get out of the third inning, giving up seven two-out runs. As he goes two and two-thirds innings, giving up eight runs, seven of which were earned. Bullpen from there was good. They wind up going a grand total of five and a third innings, giving up two runs. It's for a Giants team that ranks in the top five in regards to bullpen ERA, St. Louis Cardinals, by the way. Top bullpen with regards to ERA ever since the All-Star break, so... A little bit of an overwhelming game there. The Oakland A's were able to use a touchdown in the seventh inning. Very appropriate as Thursday marked the first game of the NFL season with me being a Packers fan as they take down the LA Angels by a count of 10 to 6. The Angels were able to get out early in this one and it was Mike Trout going deep off of Brett Anderson for his 45th home run of the year. You also had Kevin Smith going deep for his third home run of the year as well as for the Oakland A's. Brett Anderson did not give the start that they desired. Five innings pitching gives up five runs off which will earn bullpen from there. Pretty good. You gave up a home run of the solo variety, but pass that four innings pitch. Gives up one run. And then for the A's, they were just getting everything in that seventh inning. It was all started by Jeff Feigley, home run, his 11th of the year. A's, by the way, in this one, only three of 13 with men in scoring position. But for the Angels, their bullpen just deteriorated. You had Luke Bard, the opener, give up one run in the first inning. Jose Suarez actually entered into that seventh inning with a very substantial lead he was up by a count of six to one and then from there things just completely deteriorated he got one out in that inning he wound up being on the hook for two runs both of which were earned but then the bullpen they were on the hook for seven runs all of which were earned while recording a grand total of five outs so needless to say angels bullpen which was in the bottom five in regards to era in the month of august still not improving the miami marlins offense certainly seems to be improving as pittsburgh Pirates. Now played 66% of their home games to the over. Highest mark out there in the big leagues. And the Marlins wind up getting a 10-7 win. They overcome an onslaught of runs in the first inning from the Pirates as they get a five spot in the first. As it was Brian Reynolds being able to get a pair of home runs in this game. One of which came in the first inning as he now has 16 for the year. And Josh Bell late in the game was able to get a little bit of a garbage time home run for his 36th of the campaign. But for the Miami Marlins, Eliezer Hernandez did not give the start that they wanted. Gave up five runs in that first inning, three of which were earned. And then he only made it three innings. And the bullpen from there goes six innings, giving up two runs. So they did their part. And the Miami Marlins, team that's not getting a whole lot of power, just one home run in this one. Hero Ramirez is 10th of the year. But this team had 20 opportunities with men in scoring position, getting seven hits in the process. As for the Pittsburgh Pirates, Dario Agrizal wound up not giving a very good start. Four and a third innings, giving up six runs, five of which were earned. Bullpen from there winds up giving up a grand total of four runs and three and two thirds innings. So the Pittsburgh Pirates certainly having their woes there. And the Miami Marlins actually looking like a team that's going to be able to be a little bit pesky in these next couple months. Texas Rangers are pesky if you have the overs. As they have played seven overs since the beginning of the month of August. They get a 3-1 to one win over the Baltimore Orioles. Colby Allard continues to be terrific for the Texas Rangers. Still has not given up a home run. And he has now pitched over 33 innings. Six of the third innings. He gives up one run. 
bullpen from there winds up getting two and two-thirds innings of scoreless baseball. And for the Texas Rangers, Nick Solak is able to get a home run off of Jonathan Means that wound up being the difference. His second of the year is Jonathan Means. A good start for the Baltimore Orioles. He winds up going six and two-thirds innings, giving up two runs, both of which were earned. Bullpen from there gives up just one run in two and a third innings. But for the Baltimore Orioles, 0 for 13 with men in scoring position. Just the big difference in this one. The Chicago Cubs, while they were cashing in with men in scoring position, as they were able to get a 10-5 win over the Milwaukee Brewers. These two teams have been playing a lot of unders so far this year, but for the Chicago Cubs, they were able to get a trio of home runs to push this game over. David Bodie is 11th of the campaign. Kyle Schwarber is 34th. And Wilson Contreras is 21st, as it was Chase Anderson getting the start for the Milwaukee Brewers and didn't give a lot of length, but he was decent. Four and eight gives up two runs. The bullpen of the Brewers, though, they could not get the job done. In combined five innings, they give up eight runs, all of which were earned. Just absolutely brutal. for the Milwaukee Brewers, they had a trio of home runs themselves. Cody Spangenberg, his first of the year. Yosemite Grandal is 23rd, and Hernan Perez is 6th. Those came off of one, Jose Quintana, who Jose Quintana been much better ever since the beginning of the month of August. Winds up giving four runs. He winds up giving up four runs over the course of five innings. And the bullpen of the Cubs, has a top 10 ERA out there in the big leagues and it's actually been very good recently. Gives up just one run over the course of four innings so they certainly did their job and for the Chicago Cubs they have now won six straight road games. I cannot remember the last time they've been on a winning streak on the road but that is the case here. The Minnesota Twins and Boston Red Sox are now on a binge of unders as all three games in this series go under. It was two to one. The Minnesota Twins were able to knock off the Boston Red Sox. Red Sox team that ever since the beginning of the month of August have the second best bullpen ERA out there in the big leagues and once again the bullpen was good in this one they go four innings giving up just one run and Nathan Eovaldi as a starter wound up giving his longest start in quite a while five innings pitch he gives up one run but for the Boston Red Sox nothing doing on offense a grand total of four hits and that's a credit to one Martin Perez as he winds up going six innings giving up one run that one run was a solo home run as being able to supply that was Bookie Betts 26th of the year, but the Minnesota Twins also have an improved bullpen. They go three innings, giving up a grand total of two hits, no earned runs, and for the Minnesota Twins, no home runs, but they went one of six with Ben in scoring position, and they were able to do just enough with a grand total of two hits to be able to drive them around a lot of which was thanks to getting a grand total of nine walks as well. For the Tampa Bay Rays, they were able to get a lot of walks, and they were able to get a lot of runs as well as they playing over against the Toronto Blue Jays, getting a 6-4 win. For the Tampa Bay Rays, they were able to get a home run off of the bat of Austin Meadows, 27th home run of the year as they went just one of 12 with men in scoring position, but it helped that the pitching was very good for this team. Austin Pruitt, who it certainly has ups and downs with the Tampa Bay Rays, he went five innings in this one, giving up four runs. Bullpen from there did give up three runs over the course of four innings, but for the Toronto Blue Jays, they didn't necessarily get what they wanted out of Trent Thornton. He winds up giving up just three runs in four and two-thirds innings, only one of which were earned, but didn't give the length that they wanted, and from there, the bullpen winds up giving up three runs over the course of three and a third innings. And for the Toronto Blue Jays, they were able to get a pair of home runs off the bat of Boba Shett, his ninth and tenth of the campaign, but this is a team that had just three starters with a batting average above a 230 leaving this game. So the fact that they were unable to generate those hits were a big reason why they were unable to pull this one out. And the Atlanta Braves were able to pull one out against the Washington Nationals. Four to two, the final in this one. As for the Washington Nationals, Steven Strasburg wound up not giving a great start, but not a bad one given the circumstances. Six innings, but she gives up three runs off, which will earn bullpen from there. Goes two innings, giving up one run. As for the Atlanta Braves, they were able to get a home run, and that was off the bat of Ronald Cunha Jr., 37th of the year. As Max Freed, after having some struggles in late June and early July, absolutely magnificent. Seven innings pitch, one hit baseball, no earned runs. Mark Lyons had to give up two runs out of the bullpen, and the Atlanta Braves bullpen 
has been a little bit of an issue. As for the Washington Nationals, they were able to get a Victor Robles home run in the 9th and 17th of the year, but this is an Atlanta Braves team that all of a sudden is starting to get some very good pitching as they have played each of their last four games and seven out of their last ten to the under. And the night wrapped up with the Seattle Mariners taking on the Houston Astros. And this one is currently in progress as I speak because I am doing this from the D and I have to have this posted up by midnight. I'm sure it'll be done much sooner. But currently we've got 8-8 eight to eight in the top of the 11th. And it's a testament to the Houston Astros that they got this game here because Wade Miley gave the worst start humanly possible. He doesn't record it out, gives up five runs, all of which were earned. Bullpen has went 10 innings, giving up three runs in the process. And the Seattle Mariners have a trio of home runs thus far in this one. Kyle Seager is able to go deep for his 20th home run of the year. And then Austin Supernola had a pair of home runs, his eighth and ninth of the campaign. But for the Seattle Mariners, pitching continues to be an issue for this team. Marco Gonzalez, five and a third innings. He gives up five runs, four of which were earned. From there, the bullpen has not necessarily been sharp for in two-thirds innings. They wind up giving up a grand total of three runs, all of which were earned. And for the Houston Astros, they've been able to get a little bit of power going as well as they were able to get a pair of home runs off of Marco Gonzalez, being able to supply those. Josh Reddick is 11th of the year. And Kyle Tucker, highly touted prospect, his first home run of the season. So we will see how this shakes out. But for the Houston Astros, this was big as they had been held below four runs for each of their last three games previous after they had gotten to that plateau in 12 either last 13 and the Seattle Mariners continue it over 60% of their games to the over. So what did we all learn from Major League Baseball on Thursday? The Cincinnati Reds continue to play unders and get great starts from Sonny Gray. Chicago White Sox are playing well as an underdog right now. The Cleveland Indians still have a good bullpen, but it appears as a regression has set in for Zach Plesak. The Detroit Tigers are still having Matthew Boyd give up a lot of runs, but the Kansas City Royals still a very top-heavy lineup. The St. Louis Cardinals continue to get great pitching and continue to win whenever Dakota Hudson's on the mound. Jose Suarez continues to see his starts go over for the LA Angels, and the Angels' bullpen continues to be putrid. The Miami Marlins are all of a sudden getting some hitting, and the Pittsburgh Pirates continue to play overs at home. The Texas Rangers just continue to play unders, and Kobe Allard continues to keep the ball in the yard. The Chicago Cubs' bullpen continues to perform admirably. This is despite the fact that Craig Kimbrell was just placed on the injured list. The Seattle Mariners' bullpen continues to be a little bit of a hot mess. Meanwhile, Max Freed continues to be absolutely dominant for the Atlanta Braves. Though the Braves bullpen is a little bit shaky as well. Austin Pruitt is starting to give some good starts for the Tampa Bay Rays and the Toronto Blue Jays. Just not hitting for average in general. And the Minnesota Twins and Boston Red Sox really looking much better with their bullpen. So that is what we all learned from Major League Baseball on Thursday. Now let's get a chat in with Steve Heidner. Let's talk about his New York Mets. And let's talk about the landscape of baseball in general. That is coming up next right here on MLB Overtime Betting. Greg is going to the bullpen as he makes a call to the Azunia Hotline. And we're back here in the Azunia Keel Studios for MLB Overtime Betting. Greg Peterson coming at you from the Azunia Keel Studios out here in the lovely Las Vegas, which happens to be the D Casino, actually the View Bar to be specific, and got a very special guest with me. You may know this man from the podcast that's Gold with Steve Heitner. He has appeared in many different TV shows, most notably Seinfeld as Kenny Banya. And this man has had more roles than I think I've had baseball bets so far this year. So great to have him aboard. Steve Heitner, a man that I know very well, is joining me right here on the podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at Heitner. Steve, how are you today? Well, it's exciting because I'm not only a guest, 
but I'm a special guest. And not only a special guest, but apparently a very special guest. So uh, I don't think you can have a better guest than that. Oh, exactly. Special guests are exactly what we have. And what else is special is, for one, we're watching the Green Bay Packers, and they finally got a first down. And two, the New York Mets have actually been playing some good baseball recently. Ever since the All-Star break, they've been one of the better teams out there in the big leagues. Now, we all remember a couple days ago, they had that epic collapse against the Washington Nationals. But with that said, team has been a little bit better. There's still a couple games out in the wild card. What have been your overall thoughts on the New York Mets? Because I think this team sort of is now what we thought they were going to be. A team slightly above 500 in the wild card on. Will they get there? I'm not 100%, but at the very least, they're now playing competitive and they're showing some fight on offense. Well, I'll be honest, you know, look, we're, first of all, we're watching the opening football game of the season here, and we're talking baseball. But as long as we're talking my Mets, I can do this. That insane loss. The Mets scored five runs in the ninth in that game. So, look, if I, it doesn't have to make any sense what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that was the end. That was the end. Now, Greg, you just said what makes perfect sense. At the end of the day, they're a little over 500, and they're in the, uh, the, uh, the wild card race. I mean, that's basically who we thought they were going to be, right? So here we are. So that's who we thought they were going to be. But I feel like that game had a button on it, didn't it? It just felt like after it, it was just like, and that's that. We will call that 2019. Thank you for playing. But I guess it really isn't. What are they out? Three, three and a half now? They're about three and a half games out. And I will say this, even though they lose that game, they they do come back the next day, a day game, and win that. So you gotta love the fight that they're showing at least. No, and they and they have. But what kind of a, oh, are we allowed to say that Green Bay just scored a touchdown? Is Jimmy that a Graham, baby? Yeah, baby, that's what we like to see. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we can be excited about it. But I mean, look, the Nationals are going through. Who do you like is going through? You you gonna tell me the Mets? The Washington Nationals certainly. And then second wild card I'd right now have is the Chicago Cubs. They seem to finally be able to win a couple games on the road, and that's been their big bugaboo. The Cubs at home have been absolutely spectacular, winning right around 66% of their games. They didn't win a road series from, like, May until very, very late July until they knocked off the Pirates, but now they're beating up on the Brewers. They had a very good series, ironically enough, against your Mets, and I think that that's probably your second wildcard team, and it could be the difference being that series between the Cubs and the Mets. Yeah, that was a sweep, and that was crucial. It was huge. I mean, they had they beat uh, Cleveland. Did they sweep Cleveland in that series or win two out of three? I think they actually swept them. I think they swept them, too. And then, you know, it's just riding high, but that Chicago, it may come down to Chicago and the Mets, as you say, and the, you know, head-to-head will be the difference there. Um, what I'm thinking about is, what do the Mets need? Obviously, bullpen. But there ain't that many teams in Major League Baseball that don't need bullpen right now. So um, everybody wants that. But I'm looking at what else they need, and I, I don't really know. I think they have a, a – everybody needs something, but they have a pretty good team. What, what would you see that they need besides bullpen? I think that they are starting to get that with more consistent hitting because what I've noticed is that Wilson Ramos, J.D. Davis, Ahmed Rosario, in the top 20 in the league with regards to batting average ever since the second half of the year, they just need more consistency in all honesty as well because I think you've noticed this. There are so many nights where the Mets are scoring seven-plus runs, and then they just lay a two- or one-run stinker, and it's one of those things where it's like, try to be a little bit more consistent. Give more of those fours and fives rather than ups and downs. 
No, I agree with you in the consistency thing, but you're kind of making my point in I don't see a glaring weakness other than that bullpen. So that's actually good news, you know? I don't see other parts of the team where it's like, okay, and then they're going to eventually have to address this, and they're going to have to address this. They have a lot going on, and obviously they've played with a lot of fire this year at times. So, yes, consistency, Greg, I agree with that. But, again, it's not a lot of teams you wouldn't say that about. So I guess it's just bullpen, 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 and they need to just open the wallet, wallet, wallet. Absolutely, and you're speaking to a Milwaukee Brewers fan who knows all about inconsistencies. We've got Steve Heidner joining me right here on the podcast. And, Steve, looking at the game for Friday, it is actually going to be Steven Matz going up against Zach Eflin against the Philadelphia Phillies. Phillies are another team that is right there with the New York Mets. I think that they're a half a game in front of them in the wild card. I would say this is a crucial series, and with the way that Zach Eflin is pitching and Steven Matz, I have to like the Mets in this spot because Mets, I think, has given up one or two earned runs in each of his last five starts. No, look, I think you want to talk about consistency. I think the Phillies are less consistent than the Mets. Agreed. And it's just that when they are consistent, they score like 27 runs. Yeah. So it seems like they're consistently killing it, but they are not consistently killing it. They're very shaky as well. Look, at this point, I feel like the Mets still have a lot to play for. This insanity that I'm talking about, that that game put the cap on the season, is just wrong, and I have to get it into my head that it ain't over. It's three and a half games. So, yeah, we need we need our blue chip starters to start blue chipping. I do agree with you, and we could also agree on one of the other New York teams. I've had a couple guys come on the podcast to talk about this, the New York Yankees' chances of being able to win the World Series. Certainly they're going to be in the playoffs. Certainly they're going to win their division. I just can't see this team making a deep run with what they have. Domingo Ramon is going to be entering into Friday 17-3. and That's all well and good. He saw an ERA of a 4, giving up 1.8 home runs per 9 innings. I mean, who are you going to really count on for that big start? James Faxon has been looking better recently, but I think the lack of pitching for the New York Yankees is going to cost them, especially when you take a look at teams like the Houston Astros out there in the American League. Well, you know, you know better than I, but I go by the, there's three teams in Major League Baseball. There's the Dodgers, the Yankees, and the Astros. The idea that it's not going to come down to those three teams almost seems impossible to me. So who do you think that fourth team is, or who do you think can threaten to get into the World Series? Because I think it's two of those three teams. Here's the one team that I think could threaten. Now, this is a big if because they're not going to win their division. Washington Nationals because Patrick Corbin, Max Scherzer, Steven Strasburg in a five-game series. I wish you good luck. That is a team that is also scoring the most runs per game over the last three weeks out there in the big leagues. You've got so many guys like Anthony Rendon and Juan Soto stepping up. I think there, there is one team that can wreck the apple cart. It is them. They're obviously a long shot, but... You know what? They do have the starting pitching, and you got to think that when you get to the playoffs, these guys are going to be going eight or nine innings because their bullpen just stinks. And I agree with you there. And one of the things that you won't see, and the good thing for the Yankees, is that the Yankees won't see a team like that early in the playoffs because the Yankees have the exact opposite. They have problems with starters in a rotation for uh, the playoffs. That's why I'm higher on the Astros than I am the Yankees. If the you know Yankees and Phillies were in the same you know league, the Yankees wouldn't want to see them at all. I do agree with you, as we do have Steve Heitner joining me right here on MLB Overtime Betting. And I do think that there is one team that the Yankees could see early on that could give them some issues, and that is the Cleveland Indians, because Mike Clevenger has been doing a great job for this team. Bullpen ERA, number one out there in the big leagues. They have looked a little bit shaky, and I do think that their big inconsistency is offense. With the Cleveland Indians, they're either scoring two or eight runs per game as well. They're much like the New York Mets. You don't know what you're going to get out of this offense. When it's good, it's great. When it's bad, it's not good. 
But I think that a Ye- Indians-Yankees series would be very interesting if we did wind up getting that as well. Yeah, we could get that. I don't know. Like In the National League, I just don't know who's going to. The Dodgers have it all, right? And, they, you know, this would be their third visit to the World Series. You know, they lost the last two. But they do have it all. I just, you know, you could say, you know, I like this team against the Dodgers. And I would just say, uh, really, why? I mean, there's no real reason to like somebody against the Dodgers in the National League. But you don't know. Somebody may come up and bite them, but they sure do not have a weakness. I mean, I don't know. They're middle relief. Kenley Jansen is a weakness for the Dodgers. I think we can agree with that. He just is not the same guy he was a couple years ago. So I do think that that's a little bit of a kryptonite. But what's the Washington Nationals weakness? Bullpen. And who are you going to have close for them? Sean Doolittle, who's done very little for betters recently. Yeah, again, to me, there's only three teams that have a shot at this. And when we talk about these kind of things, like the bullpens on this team and whatnot, you just start to see the huge holes. Now, look, short series, we got a one-game series that's going to happen, right? Yeah. Which uh, I'm not a fan. Are you a fan of the one-game series? I think that it's fun to watch, but I think at minimum it should be a three-game series. Shorten the season from 162 games to 160 and make it a three-game series. I'd be all for it. I would go with something insane, like, you know, like, I don't know, a doubleheader and then a single game. Just something to make the three-game series, just to shake it up. I don't like the one-game thing. Like, what if you saw a basketball playoff that was one game? It would be ludicrous. And plus, with basketball, you all know who's going to be playing. With baseball, it's essentially whoever's able to bank their starter for that one game because with the Nationals, they're much different when they've got Max Scherzer out there on the mound than when they have Anibal Sanchez. Yeah, you know, you want to be able to, if the season is 162 games, you do want to respect the fact that depth is what gets you there, right? So the playoffs in baseball, it seems, show less and less respect to the depth of what got teams there. So I would like to see that happen more, but that just means more playoff games. Absolutely. As we do have Steve Heitner joining me on the podcast, and I know we've talked about this on That's Cool with Steve Heitner quite a bit, but... And the way the home runs are flying out is absolutely insane. The Minnesota Twins already have the record for most home runs in a season by a team. We're right now in very early September. The Baltimore Orioles gave up the most home runs in a season for a team, and that record was set right around late August. I mean, what has been your thoughts on this? Because I am not much of a fan of it. I want to see a little bit more strategy, more stolen bases, and the fact that we're not getting that, to me, just... It feels like we're losing a little bit of the game that we grew up to know and love. Well, you know, I'll go even harsher. You know how I feel about that. I'd say we're really losing the game we love. I feel like, you know, I can't even watch highlights anymore. And I see some second baseman jack it out to the opposite field to win the game in the 14th inning. And like, okay, great. It doesn't seem like anything real. It just feels like pinball. And I say that because I love the game of baseball. And I love the idea of, you know, it being difficult to get it out of the park. But look, it's conflicting because you look at Aaron Judge. He's not having his best season. Some of that is injuries and some of that is whatever it may be. But I will tell you this. I miss the game I love because the the home runs create other things where now it's even less interest in a stolen base, less interest in moving a runner over. Um, I would love to see uh, us look at the um, shifts. I don't think the shifts are helping baseball a lot. Now, I'm fine with certain shifts, but maybe just three guys in the outfield. That's just a thought. Oh, yeah. Make sure that all the infielders have at least one foot on the dirt, something like that. It is 
so interesting because now you've got all the baseball nerds that they're doing all that shifting and everything like that. It is one of those things where it's like, instead of trying to hit the opposite field on a shift, everyone is trying to hit over a shift, and I think that's a massive issue. No, I mean, you know, if I was a hitter, you know, and it's tough because initially minor leagues weren't doing shifts. So now you got guys that are getting to the majors and never had face shifts, and now they get to the majors and they're supposed to adjust. Well, I don't know if that's a great idea. If I got to the majors doing something, I don't know if I'd be changing it up so quickly. I think I'd be wanting to get to my first multi-million dollar contract. So a lot of guys are just trying to hit through it, and uh, that's not going well. Absolutely. And Steve, what is your big hope for baseball in the next couple of years? Because I know that we've both been betting baseball varying amounts of success. I've been in a little bit of a cold streak, but all in all, thanks for me. For the year, I've been doing pretty decent, taking a lot of short favorites, small underdogs. I know that you found some success having taken a lot of overs and everything like that. What are you really looking towards for baseball betting these next couple of weeks and just moving forward in general? Well, I don't have a great success with uh, baseball betting. I'm not saying I'm great anywhere else, but baseball is very hard for me to, to read. Like you said, I went through a hot streak a little while with the overs. But I think as we get uh, down to the end of the season, you have to look at which teams are looking at pitchers that are out of it, that are looking at pitchers, and again, looking for uh, some value in the overs. No matter how high they raise those uh, over-unders, I still think late in the season they're going to be bringing pitchers up and there's money to be made there. And Steve, I'd like to close it up with this. I know that you always ask people to self-promote on your podcast. Well, now you need to self-promote on mine. Where can the good people get you on social media? Where can they hear our wonderful podcast? That's go with Steve Eidner. And just give them the good old elevator pitch. <laughs> All right. Uh, I am uh, on t- Twitter because legally you have to be. At Heitner, H-Y-T-N-E-R. Also, we have our podcast, That's Gold with Steve Heitner. That's five days a week. You can get that anywhere you get your podcast. Also, with my stand-up, you can go to steveheitner.com and find out where I'm telling jokes. And then I'm still doing acting. I just did an episode of Silicon Valley. That's going to probably be on next month. And you can find that information on my website as well. Greg, uh, continued success with the MLB. Terrific. A big thanks to Steve Heitner. Really terrific guy. And a man that I get the chance to do a podcast with five days a week for joining me right here on MLB Overtime Betting. And by the way, for those of you guys, you know that we were having some football cuts in and out. I'll be providing a lot more NFL coverage on that school with Steve Heidner as well. So a little bit of a tease for you guys. So there's that. And now, without further ado, coming up next, it is that time that I give you a side and total on every game on today's Las Vegas betting board. And we do so in a little something I like to call Touch Em All. Welcome back to MLB Overtime. Greg is throwing a gem, so yeah, he better not blow it. All right, a big thanks to Steve Eidner for joining me right here on MLB Overtime Betting. If that interview does not happen as I'm doing this from my apartment, well, we're going to need to make some changes. And what's happening right now is that I am recording the first half of this from my apartment, the Azuni Tequila Studios out here in lovely Las Vegas for MLB Overtime Betting. And then I'll be finishing up at the long bar as it is a very busy night for me as I'm going to be watching Bears Packers and everything like that. So you're going to notice some acoustic changes and everything like that. But what's not going to change is the usual as some of these plays for touch them all, all locked in, good to go, everything like that as I give you a side and total on every game on today's Las Vegas betting board. 
Other of these plays were in wait and see mode, waiting on some lineup changes, line moves, everything like that, and I almost forgot the sounder, so here it is. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. And as per usual, we go in Las Vegas rotation order, starting with 901-902 on the betting rotation. The St. Louis Cardinals hit the road to face off against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Joe Musgrove goes for the Buccos. Miles Mikolas for the St. Louis Cardinals. Your total on this game is 8.5. The overs juice of minus 115. The unders minus 105. If you're looking at the Pirates, plus 110 is that price. Meanwhile, with the St. Louis Cardinals laying minus 120 across the board. And Miles Michaelis has been much better at home than he has been on the road, but it seems like he's starting to find a little bit of his watermark. Meanwhile, with Joe Musgrove, you just have no earthly idea what you're going to get out of this guy. In his last start, he was pretty darn good. His last start, he was pretty darn bad. He's got pretty equal home-to-road splits, and they're both pretty bad. He's given up 1.3 home runs per nine innings, 9-12 and record, 467 ERA, Month of August, he was just all over the place. He had two starts in which he gave up five plus earned runs, two starts in which he gave up three, two starts in which he gave up two. There's just no depending on him whatsoever, and there's no depending on this Pittsburgh Pirates bullpen. They rank in the bottom 10 in the big leagues with regards to ERA. Meanwhile, Mr. Mikolas, 8-13 with a 4.32 ERA, but he is backed up by the number one bullpen in the big leagues with regards to ERA ever since the All-Star break, but... In the month of August, things did not go well. In four out of his last five starts, he's given up at least three earned runs. In three of them, he wound up giving up five plus, but he is backed up by St. Louis Cardinals lineup that has been doing a pretty good job recently. You've got a lot of guys with comparable batting averages, but you've got one clear power bat, and that is Paul Goldschmidt. For the year, he is currently sitting on 29 home runs. He's been doing a great job. He had a home run in seven out of nine games in a stretch a month ago, and he's right now hitting at 260, and you've got a lot of guys hitting in that, I would say, 250 to 267 range as you've got him along with Paul DeYoung, Ravello, who's been making some pinch hitting appearances for this team, Marcel Ozuna. Marcel Ozuna has 25 home runs. Paul DeYoung has 26 home runs. Yadio Munoz is in that neighborhood. And then you've got a little bit of an unsung guy that's been making some pinch hitting appearances as well in Edmund Sosa as well. And then you got a lot of guys that are actually improving their batting averages. Tyler O'Neill, Yadier Molina, Tommy Edmond, Colton Wong, all guys hitting between a 277 and a 287. But then you've got Austin Kinzer, Matt Carpenter, and Harrison Bader all hitting below a 221. So this is a little bit of a mixed bag. Then you take a look at the flip side for the Pittsburgh Pirates. You certainly have a lot of guys with a good batting average. And you've got one guy that's really doing a good job of mashing. He hasn't been quite the same ever since the All-Star break. But Josh Bell hitting right around a 275 to a 280. He's got 36 home runs, over 100 RBI. Then you got a lot of guys that are hitting above a 300 on this team. And Kevin Newman and Brian Reynolds. Reynolds hitting a 332. And then you can also pair that up with Colin Moran and Melky Cabrera along with Adam Frazier hitting a 280 to a 286. You've also got production from the catcher spot in Elias Diaz and Jacob Sellings. Both these guys hitting above a 255. You do have a couple of family bats like Pablo Reyes, but all in all, it's a pretty solid lineup, and I do think that we're going to see some runs in this one as when you take a look at Pittsburgh, it is the top over park out there in the big leagues. I will say that it is ironic that St. Louis is the top under park out there in the big leagues, but I do think that 
Joe Musgrove is going to be able to give one of his bad starts once again. I think that Mikolas gives up a couple runs, but I think the Cardinals are going to be able to prevail. So for that reason, on the Cardinals money line and this total over, with regards to the over, would like to be able to get a little bit of better juice, but I have already locked in the St. Louis Cardinals on the money line. We move on to 903-904 on the bank rotation. The Arizona Diamondbacks hit the road to face off against the Cincinnati Reds. Tyler Molly goes for the Reds. Meanwhile, Robbie Ray for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Your total on this game is 9. Over is juice of minus 120. The under is even. If you are looking at the Arizona Diamondbacks, you are going to be laying minus 109. Meanwhile, the plus price here, actually it's not even a plus price. The price here on the Reds is minus 101 and this is a spot where I've really got to be looking at the Arizona Diamondbacks. This is the hottest team in baseball right now. They have won nine out of their last ten games. Now, you got to recognize that Robbie Ray, very good at being able to get strikeouts. He's getting over 12 strikeouts per nine innings. He does give up over four walks per nine innings. He does give up more than 1.5 home runs per nine innings. But you also take a look at Tyler Molly. This is a guy that was so bad that he was sent down to the AAA level. Actually looked decent in his last start against the St. Louis Cardinals. Certainly kept the game out in front of him. But the Reds just don't win whenever he's out there on the mound. In his last 23 starts, the Reds have won four of them. That is just absolutely deplorable right there. And then when you take a look at the Arizona Diamondbacks, this is a team that's actually a little bit better on the road than they are at home. Now, their recent home stand was a big help. They are now above 500 at home, but on the road, they've been a little bit more dominant. For much of the year, they've been a top eight team in the big leagues with regards to home runs per game on the road. And a lot of that has to do with that man, Eduardo Escobar. This is a guy that's sitting right around a 270 to go along with 33 home runs, over 110 RBI. But let's not sell Cattell Marte short either. 29 home runs for him. He is hitting nearly a 320. He has been absolutely magnificent. You've got so many guys in this lineup that are hitting right in that neighborhood of a 255 to a 275. Nick Amata has been doing a solid job for this team. Christian Walker falls in that realm as well. Christian Walker has went deep 25 times. You've got Eduardo Escobar, who I mentioned a little bit earlier. Josh Rojas, Carson Kelly. Tim LeCastro, list goes on and on, just missing that is Rod Dyson. Hitting a 242, but one of the top base heroes out there in the big leagues, Adam Jones, also in that neighborhood as well, though. And then you've got Wilmer Flores doing a great job of getting on base. 319 batting average. Alex Avila and Jake Lamb have both been not doing so much with their batting averages. Both these guys hitting below a 220, but both guys have an on-base of a 328 or greater, so they've at the very least done that. And with them, with the Cincinnati Reds, this is a team that has played right around 60% of their games to the under. They are starting to get a little bit of improved offense. Philip Irvin and Jose Iglesias, along with our man Aristide Sikino, hitting between a 293 and a 296. In the case of Aquino, he's got 15 home runs since the beginning of the month of August. And then you got Eugenio Suarez, who's got over 40 home runs. He actually leads the main Leagues with regards to home runs ever since the All Star break. Joey Votto has been able to step up as he, Eugenio Suarez, Kirk Casale, Blandino, and Nick Senzel are all guys in between a 250 and a 265. Josh Van Meter also hitting a 262 as well. Got Jose Peraza hitting right around a 237. And Freddie Galvis, all in all for the year, has been pretty solid. They recently picked this gentleman up from Toronto, 263 batting average. He trips in 22 home runs as well. But your big concern with the Cincinnati Reds, the fact that the bullpen is in the bottom eight in regards to ERA in the big leagues ever since the All-Star break. The Diamondbacks bullpen hasn't been great either, but I think that Robbie Ray is going to be able to give more innings than Tyler Mully, a guy who's doing intense so far this year, and I do think that the Diamondbacks are going to be able to pull this game out. So for that reason, not just looking at this game on the money line, but I'm going to be trying to take a run line here. Currently, the run line I'm seeing is a plus 145. Considering this is essentially a pick'em game, I'm going to be in wait and see mode. I think that I could probably get a little bit more favorable juice here. And then when it comes to this 
total. I'm going to be looking at the over, just looking to try to get this more around minus 105 or minus 110 juice. We move on to 905-906 on the bang rotation. The New York Mets are going to be facing off against the Philadelphia Phillies in the city of Queens. It is Steven Matz going on the mound for the home Mets. Meanwhile, Zach Eflin for the Philadelphia Phillies. Your total on this game is 8.5. Over juice anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between even and minus 105. If you're looking at the Mets, you're laying minus 152 to minus 154. Plus price here with the Phillies is anywhere between plus 142 and plus 144. It's been very interesting to watch Zach Eflin in his last two starts. This is a guy that in the month of June and into July was just an absolute train wreck. He's currently sitting with an 8-11 record. He's been given up the home runs right around 1.6 home runs per nine innings this year, but in his last two starts, actually been pretty good. He has given up a grand total of three earned runs over his last two starts and his most recent start, seven innings giving up one run to, you guessed it, the New York Mets. So he is looking like he's in much better form than the New York Mets themselves. Well, they've been having some good bullpen pitching recently, aside from that epic, epic collapse a couple nights ago against Washington Nationals. They were in the Bottom three of the big leagues with regards to bullpen ERA going into the All-Star break. Ever since then, they've been in the top 10. But what's big for the New York Mets is the fact that they are getting some very good hitting as well. You take a look at Jeff McNeil at the top lineup. This is a guy hitting a 325 on on-base percentage of 390. You then have Pete Alonso and Michael Conforto, both hitting between a 260 and a 265 on on-base percentage, hovering between a 360 and a 365. And for Pete Alonso, 105 RBI, 45 home runs. Michael Conforto, not quite there, but 28 home runs, still not shabby either. You've got some of the hottest bats in the big leagues ever since the All-Star break as well in J.D. Davis, Wilson Ramos, and Amit Rosario. All these guys hitting well above a 300 since the All-Star break, and all these guys hitting between a 290 and a 305. You've got Joe Panic who's starting to pick it up. He and Todd Frazier are both hitting between a 230 and a 245. You have Juan Lagares who's struggling, but all in all, this is a pretty solid lineup. Then you take a look at the flip side for the Sillies. This is a group that that, well, they're now starting to get a little bit of something out of Bryce Harper. 255 batting average, 30 home runs, 100 RBI, and you do have some guys that are doing a good job of being able to get on base. You've got some guys hitting between a 270 and I would say about a 286 in JT Riamuto. Gene Segura, Scott Kingery, Cesar Hernandez, and then you are also getting just not-so-good production out of Jay Bruce, Sergio Rodriguez, Brad Miller, and Mikel Franco, all these guys hitting at 235 or lower, but Corey Dickerson has been doing a good job with his average for 304. Reese Hoskins does need to pick it up with his average. 380 on base percentage, but just a 237 average. You go with 27 home runs. Ever since the All-Star break, it's been a little bit of a hot mess, and the Phillies in general do have better bullpen pitching than they should at the beginning of the year, but I think that Steven Matz is going to be able to give a better start here. Ever since Steven Matz was essentially reinstated into the starting rotation, he has been doing a much better job. In his last five starts, he's given up either one or two earned runs and has went six-plus innings in all but one of them as well. So that has been very heartening for this New York Mets team. I do think that they're on a little bit of a come-up. Both these teams certainly fighting for that wild-card spot, and I do think that the Mets are going to be able to pull this one out. So for that reason, have already locked in the money line of the New York Mets. I'm going to be staring at this total over. Right now, I'm determining whether to go with over 8.5 and, and lay that juice, or if I'm going to be looking at it on juice 9, whatever shakes out, I'm going to be taking it as we move on to 907, 908 on the bang rotation. The Atlanta Braves are going to be playing also Washington Nationals. Patrick Corbin goes for the Nets. Dallas Keuchel for the Atlanta Braves. Your total on this game is 9. Over and under both at minus 110. If you're looking at the Nationals, laying minus 109. Meanwhile, with the Bravos, you're going to be laying minus 101. This is another one of these spots in which it's pretty close to a pick I do like Patrick Corbin at home, but on the road, it's been a little bit of a different pitcher. He's got 
some interesting splits in that on the road. His ERA hikes up north of four. He certainly has been giving up a couple more home runs on the road. And Dallas Keuchel got off to a rough start this year, especially towards the month of July. He just was not himself, but month of August actually traded him very well. After he gave up that eight-run just stinker against the Miami Marlins, he has been terrific. In his last four starts since then, he has went a combined 25 innings, giving up three runs. He's had seven strikeouts or more in three out of his last four starts, so he's starting to show that he's his old self, giving up right around 1.3 home runs per nine innings, about three walks per nine, so he's been solid, and these are two of the best lineups that you're going to find out there in the big leagues with the Atlanta Braves. you got Freddie Freeman, and this guy is doing a little bit of everything. He is currently leading all of Major League Baseball with regards to RBI, 300 batting average, 38 home runs. Then at the top, you also have Ronald Acuna Jr., Ozzy Albies, and Matt Joyce, all in between a 280 and a 290. In the case of Mr. Acuna Jr., he has went deep 36 times so far this year. You then have Josh Allison, Brian McCann, Dansby Swanson, only between a 259 and a 265. And in the case of Josh Allison, he is looking like his MVP self, at least with regards to home runs. 34 of them on the year. Do need to get a little bit more out of a couple guys as this team kicked the tires on a Denny Hedgeveria, Billy Hamilton, and Rafael Ortega. All these guys hitting 235 or lower. Other than Ortega, these are guys that were cast offs with other teams. So, going to be interesting if they're able to get anything there. You want to note that with the Washington Nationals as well, with regards to their lineup, Adam Eaton has been out a lot recently. He's been hitting a 290 has been doing a good job of getting on base, but you still have Juan Soto, Anthony Rendon, and Trey Turner down for what? Turner down for what? Hitting right around at 300, and then Juan Soto and Howie Kendrick have been doing a great job of getting on base as well, along with Anthony Rendon. All these guys have an on-base percentage above a 381, and in the case of Soto and Rendon, above a 400 with Rendon and Soto. Both these guys have 30-plus home runs as Rendon, also 114 RBI. Kurt Suzuki hitting right around at 265, which is nice. Need to get a little bit more out of a couple guys so Michael A. Taylor, Brian Dozier, Matt Adams, Jan Gomes, all these guys hitting below a 240, but this is a very formidable lineup, and I do think that both these guys are going to give up runs. With Dallas Keuchel, he's looked better recently, but he has been prone to giving up some runs. Both these bullpens have not been sharp, especially that of the Washington Nationals, and I do think that that bullpen is going to be the difference, as I think the Braves are going to get to it. They're going to pound out some runs, so for that reason, looking at the Atlanta Braves here and this total over with regards to the over, going to try to see if the juice on this sign comes back down a little bit as this total actually opened up at nine and a half. It's rapidly been falling. Meanwhile, with the Atlanta Braves, this is a team that is seeing a little bit of money coming in on them, but I am right now seeing a little bit of buyback on the Washington Nationals, so going to try to get the best number there. 909-910 on the bank rotation. The Milwaukee Brewers play out the Chicago Cubs. Cole Hamels goes for the Cubbies. Meanwhile, Zach Davies for the Milwaukee Brewers. Your total on this game is 9.5. Under is just minus 115. The over is minus 105. If you're looking at the Brew Crew, that is plus 110. The Cubs are laying minus 120. And these are two guys that... I've certainly had some struggles, especially in the month of August, but I do like the recent form of Cole Hamels a little bit more. His last three starts, he's given up either two or three earned runs. This is after he gave up a grand total of 12 runs over the course of five innings and two starts previous in the month of August, but I just am not sold on Zach Davies right now. There was a time in... I would say the very early part of the year in which he had an ERA below two. Then he really started to sink in the month of June. He was able to pick it up again. And then in the month of August, he had two starts in which he gave up four earned runs and did not make it past the fifth inning in any of them. Now, I will say in his last start, he did wind up going four and two-thirds innings of scoreless baseball against the Chicago Cubs, but he's not providing a lot of length right now. He's giving up a lot of bad starts as well. And he's going to tag some Milwaukee Brewers bullpen that has looked better recently, but has been very hit or miss. Meanwhile, with the Chicago Cubs, this is a team that's actually 
in the bottom seven in the big leagues with regards to batting average ever since the All-Star break, but you certainly do have some guys that are able to take a yard. Kyle Schwarber has his batting average hovering right around a 230 to a 235, but he's got 33 home runs on the year. This team also gets back Wilson Contreras as he, Anthony Rizzo, Chris Bryant, Nick Cassianos, all guys hitting between a 280 and a 292 in the middle of the lineup. You also have Javi Baez, but he wound up getting the day off yesterday. Baez has right around 29 home runs so far this year, and everyone other than Wilson Contreras has been able to do a good job of being able to get to at least 23 home runs. And Cassianos, keep in mind, had to play the beginning of part of the year in Detroit, where it's very hard to be able to drive the ball out. You do have a couple of sinking batting averages, though, as well. Edison Russell, Ian Happ, Ben Zobris, Jason Award, all these guys hitting a 250 or lower. And in the case of Happ, he's hitting more around a 220. Then for the Milwaukee Brewers, this is a team that has played going into Thursday, each of its seven games, either to a push or the under for the year. The Cubs and Brewers have been playing just a whole lot of unders, so that doesn't help. And for the Milwaukee Brewers, got a couple of famous bats out there. as Manny Pina, Travis Shaw, Orlando Arcia, and Trent Grisham. All guys are in a 235 or lower. Then you got a lot of guys are in, in the realm of a 265 and a 245. Yasmani Grandal, Lorenzo Cain, Eric Thames, Corey Spangenberg, Hernan Perez, all in that neighborhood. But then you've got that bad man, Christian Yelich. One of the top base dealers out there in the big leagues. 326 batting average, 43 home runs, 93 RBI. He has been essentially the team since Mike Moussakas went down with an injury. Mike Moussakas hitting right around a 255. He has 31 home runs. He hasn't been seen for quite a while, so that means that Ryan Braun is a 285 average. Really needs to pick it up. And I do think that we are going to, once again, get a little bit of a lower scoring output from the Milwaukee Brewers, but I do think that Zach Davies, as he's been doing time and time again is going to give up some runs and I think that the Brewers bullpen going to come back to earth. I know that these teams have been playing a lot of unders but I'm going to be taking this total over. Hopefully the reputation of these teams playing so many unders dips this number a little bit so I'm in Wayne C mode there and I've already locked in the Chicago Cubs on the bunny line as a play. I do like Cole Ambles in this spot. He's a veteran. He's starting to find his way. Meanwhile Zach Davies has given up four plus earned runs in five out of his last eight starts. Things are not going well for him, and I think that he's going to get exploded upon once again. 9 11, 9 12 on the betting rotation is next as it is the LA Dodgers playing over the San Francisco Giants. Justin Marja goes for the Giants. Meanwhile, Clayton Kershaw for the Dodgers. Your total on this game is eight over Zeus of minus 115. The unders minus 105. If you're looking at the Giantes, you are going to be getting a plus price of anywhere between plus $2 and plus 205. Want to lay here with the Dodgers? That is minus 230. Clayton Kershaw has been pretty spectacular for the Dodgers all year long and the team has been pretty spectacular in his starts I believe that they are now 18 and 6 in his starts but I will say ever since the beginning of the month of July Jeff Samarja has been a completely different pitcher. This is a guy that has given up more than two earned runs in just two starts ever since the beginning of the month of July. Now, I will say his last start certainly was not a good one as he wound up giving up six hits in that one. But ever since the really turn of summer, he has been pretty solid. And both these guys are pretty comparable with the amount of home runs that they give up. They're both giving up right around 1.35-ish home runs per nine innings for Clayton Kershaw. He had a pretty good month of August that wound up just ending up pretty bad. He, in his first three starts, gave up a grand total of three earned runs. Then in the final three starts, he gave up three runs against the Toronto Blue Jays, three runs against the Yankees, and then five runs and five innings against the Arizona Diamondbacks. But he has been pitching much better at home than he has been on the road as well. And the Dodgers, just in general, are a very good home team, 55 and 18. But I will also say this for the Giants. On the road, they are 37 and 35. Meanwhile, at home, 
30 and 38. That's an interesting split. And the Giants, one of the top teams in the big leagues, and were in being able to win outright as an underdog. They are right around 500 as a dog. And they are also one of the most profitable teams out there in the National League with regards to making you money when they are out there on the road. And with the San Francisco Giants, they also average right around 5.2 to 5.3 runs per game on the road at home. And that's more like 3.3. And they are starting to get some guys that are starting to get into the act with regards to hitting. These guys are all hitting between a 260 and I would say a 276 in Austin Slater, Mikey Stremski, Stephen Voigt, Evan Longoria, and Buster Posey. And in the case of Evan Longoria and Kevin Pillar, along with Mikey Stremski, these guys all have between 18 and 21 home runs. And I must also point out that Panic is hitting right. I must also point out that Pillar is hitting a 262, so he falls in that realm as well. The Brandons, Brandon Belt and Brandon Crawford, both hitting below a 230, which is tough. But Donovan Solano is hitting a 335 whenever you have Adam Dickerson in the lineup. He's been in and out of it quite a bit. He's been doing a great job of getting on base, and you need more out of guys like Jeff Rickard and company. But this is a team that's starting to get some improved hitting. Meanwhile, for the Dodgers, this is very much a fearsome lineup and it is all led by that man Cody Bellinger. He's got a batting average hovering right around a 315 over 100 RBI. His home run count for the year is right around a 43. Jock Peterson was able to get two home runs in the team's most recent game. Now he's got 32 home runs, 245 batting average. He seems to be a big he seemed to be picking it up. Kike Hernandez, since coming off the injured list, has been able to pick it up as well. Will Smith at the catcher spot, giving this team a little bit of a bump. He's getting a home run every 10 or so at bat, sitting right around a 275. And then you got Corey Seager, Chris Taylor, and AJ Pollock all hitting between a 260 and a 271. So they've been able to contribute. Matt Beattie and Justin Turner down for what? Hitting between a 288 and a 298. And Turner has been really hot with his bat as well. So it's going to be a little bit of an uphill battle for the Giants. But these are two of the top three bullpens in the National League with regards to ERA. The Giants certainly have seen a little bit of dip in their bullpen ever since trading away a couple pieces at the trade deadline. But I still think that they have enough to be able to get the job done here. I think that Jeff Samarja delivers a great and Clean Kershaw. Merely a good one, and this is a Giants team that has actually, throughout the last couple of years, despite not being too great, played the Dodgers very, very tough. So for that reason, we are going to be taking the plus price here of the Giants and the total over. Currently waiting Seema to see if I can get a little bit of better juice on that total, and with the Giants, I don't think a whole lot of public money is going to be pouring in on them, so I'm waiting Seema on both of those. 9-13, 9-14 on the bank rotation. The Colorado Rockies hit the road to face off against the San Diego Padres. Then Nelson Lamette goes for the Padres. Meanwhile, Tim Melville goes for the Colorado Rockies. Your total on this game is 9. Under is just minus 120. The over is even. If you're looking at the Rockies, you're going to be getting anywhere between plus 142 and plus 146. If you're looking to lay it here with the San Diego Padres, that's anywhere between minus 152 and minus 156. And Tim Melville is a guy that I feel like got really lucky in his first few starts. And then he just got chillacked upon in the last one. Things are really starting to regress for him. Meanwhile, for Denelson Lamette, He certainly does have some command issues, but this guy is a flamethrower that is getting right around, I would say, 12 strikeouts per nine innings. He's got 70 of them in 51 innings so far, 2-3 and three record, 4.24 ERA, but in the month of August, this is a guy that really improved. He gave up more than three earned runs in just one out of his five starts, and he's starting to give a little bit more length as he went five-plus innings in every one of them. Meanwhile, for Mr. Tim Melville, first two starts of his career were very good, and then against the Pittsburgh Pirates in his last start, well, he winds up not being able to make it very far. Two innings, gives up five runs, all of which were earned. 
That was just absolutely brutal. And this is a Colorado Rocky team that in general has been very, very poor on the road. They have lost 21 out of their last 26 road games. And for the Colorado Rockies, do have a couple guys at the top that are doing a great job. Trevor Story, Charlie Blackman, Nolan Arenado. In between a 297 and a 319, all these guys have 28 plus home runs. And in the case of Arenado, he has really been able to take off for this team. He's got over 100 RBI. He has had 37 balls go over the fence. Then you got a couple guys that are doing a decent job of getting on base behind them as well. Remy Altafia is back at the fold. And then you got Tony Walters and Daniel Murphy all in between 8275 and 8285. Daniel Hampson, along with Butera at the catcher's spot, leaves something to be desired. They're both hitting below a 220. Yonder Alonso has been hitting a 201. This has been a little bit of a failed experiment for them. And then you do still have Ian Desmond and Ryan McMahon, both hitting between a 260, but it's one of these situations where the Rockies just don't play as many runs on the road as they do at home. Meanwhile, for the San Diego Padres, this is a team that has really been struggling with their batting average ever since Fernando Tatis Jr. has went out of the fold, but they still do have some guys that are doing a good job of at the very least, being able to provide a little bit of something for the team. Greg Garcia, Josh Naylor, Manny Machado, Francisco Mejia, all guys hitting between a 255 and a 265. In the case of Manny Machado, he's been doing a good job of being able to drive the runs in. 28 home runs, 76 RBI. And then Eric Osborne has been very solid as well. 284 batting average. His home run count is at 20, 90 RBI. We've been noticing that Eric Hosmer has not been seeing too many at-bats. He has been banged up. He's got 31 home runs on the year, but he's only hitting right around at 225. And you've got a lot of famine bats for the team as you've got Mr. Renfro along with Ty France, Austin Hedges, Luis Arias, Ian Kinsler. I know that he's on the injured list, but he's going to be included in this. Will Myers along with Travis Janikowski. All these guys are hitting a 232 or lower, and then you got Mamo Margot, not much better, at a 241. It's one of these situations where the San Diego Padres have been playing a lot of lower scoring games, but I think that Tim Melville and the league's worst bullpen ever since the All-Star break, exactly what this team needs to be able to get right, and the Padres have been one of the worst teams at being able to cover the run line so far this year. You take a look at how the San Diego Padres have performed as a favorite on the run line. It is absolutely grody, as they are 23-42. and 42. But the Colorado Rockies, they themselves on the road this year, 25-47. and 47. This team is just awful away from Coors Field. And for that reason, I do think that the Padres are going to be able to get a multi-run win. So looking at the Padres on the run line and this total over, with regards to the over in Wayne Seymour, trying to see if I'm going to be able to get an 8.5. And, and with this run line price, currently it's at a plus 130. like to see if it climbs a little bit more because I've noticed that Padres' run line prices have been very, very high because of their lack of success to cover them. 915-916 on the bag rotation. The Baltimore Orioles are going to be playing also the Texas Rangers. Brock Burke goes for the Texas Rangers. Dylan Monday for the Baltimore Orioles. Your total on this game is 9.5. Under is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. Your over is anywhere between even and minus 105. If you are looking at the Baltimore Orioles, you're laying anywhere between minus 120 and minus 122. Plus price on the Rangers is anywhere between plus 110 and plus 112. Going into Thursday, the Texas Rangers had played eight games over ever since the beginning of the month of August. So they have not been scoring a lot of runs. And I will say this, and I can't believe I'm saying it. Dylan Bundy in recent form has been pretty good. Now, keep in mind, Dylan Bundy is still for the year giving up right around two home runs per nine innings. He still has a 4.96 ERA, but take a look at his month of August. It was actually pretty darn spectacular. He gave up more than three earned runs in just one out of his six starts. He was the winner in one decision. He lost two of them, and those were honestly tough luck losses against the Houston Astros and the New York Yankees. The Yankees start, he wasn't very good at, but all in all, he's actually been decent. He is backed up by a bad bullpen, but the Texas Rangers also back up Brock Burke with a bad bullpen, and this is a guy that in his three starts, has actually been very good. He has a 150 ERA, and yet he's on one This is not a guy that's going to get a whole lot of swings and misses. In 18 innings, he just 
just 11 punch outs, but he's given up 0, 1, and 2 earned runs in his 3 starts, so he's actually been very good on that front. Problem with the Texas Rangers is, right now with so many injuries, they don't have a lot of pop in the lineup as their best home run hitter currently is Danny Santana. Danny Santana's done a great job of being able to get on base, hitting between a 285 and a 290 with 24 home runs, but there's just not a whole lot supporting him, as you do have Sinchuchu, Alpha Sanders, Willie Calhoun, along with Noah Bazaar, all in between a 262 and a 274 for Sinchuchu and Noah Mazar. These two guys have between 18 and 21 home runs, but neither of these guys really have overly much pop. Nick Solak, ever since being brought up to the big leagues, has been good, though. He's hitting right around a 315. But then you've got the famine bats of this team. Rudnett Odor, Ronald Guzman, Tim Fedorowicz, Jeff Mathis, along with Logan Forsyth. All guys hitting at 225 or lower. Then you've got Isaiah Kinnear-Felfa, Delion Shields Jr., and Jose Trevino, all hitting between a 240 and a 246. I will say for Shields Jr., one of the top base heroes out there in the big leagues. And then you take a look at the Baltimore Orioles. You do have a guy in Hanser Alberto that's doing a great job of getting on base. 325 batting average against lefties, more around a 400. Then you got Trey Boomer Mancini, Jonathan Villar, and Anthony Santander hitting between a 270 and a 295. In the case of Mr. Mancini, he and Renato Nunez have been supplying the home runs. Renato Nunez, 28 of them. Trey Bumo Mancini, 29 of them. Mark Trumbo's back at the fold. Very limited amount of at-bats for him so far, but he's hitting a 333. But then with this team, you got guys that need to pick it up. Chance Sisko, Chris Davis, Richie Martin, Stevie Wilkerson, Jace Peterson, all hitting a 215 or lower. I will say that this team is starting to get a little bit of something out of DJ Stewart. And Pedro Severino's hitting a 255 after coming off the injured list, but I do think that this is another game in which we're going to see a lack of scoring. I think that both these guys are going to be able to deliver a good start. But I do think that in the end, the Texas Rangers bullpen is a little bit better. And you're giving me plus money to go up against the Baltimore Orioles. I know it sounds simple, but you know what? That's pretty appealing. So for that reason, looking at the Rangers here and the total under, with the under certainly going to look at trying to lay a little bit less juice. And I've been noticing that money has actually been coming in on the Baltimore Orioles as this was essentially a pick at the open. Not sure how, not sure why, but I'll continue to wait and see and get a better price on the Texas Rangers. We move on to a game that's currently off the board. 917-918 on the betting rotation. It is the New York Yankees, and they hit the road to face off against the Boston Red Sox. Domingo Herman goes for the New York Yankees. Meanwhile, for the Boston Red Sox, it is good old to be determined, which is why this game is presently off the board. But what we do know is that Domingo Herman, if you bet $100 on him in every one of his starts, he's made you over $1,000. He is the most profitable pitcher out there in the big leagues. It seems like every time he takes a mound, this guy winds up getting a win. And that's despite the fact that he's given up right around 1.7 to 1.8 home runs per nine innings. But he has done a very good job of being able to limit the contact in the month of August. He wound up giving up two or one earned runs in four out of his six starts. He had a start in which he gave up three spot. Then he gave up five runs against the Oakland A's. So all in all, he's been doing a very good job there. And you'd want to look even further in his last eight starts. He's given up more than three earned runs in just one of them. I will say this for the Boston Red Sox, though. Their bullpen, even though it's a little bit taxed, has been very good recently. They are second best in regards to bullpen ERA ever since the beginning of the month of August, and they are able to back that up with a lineup that is just flat out on fire. You've got Mookie Betts, Andrew Benatendi, and Christian Vasquez in between a 275 and a 290, and then this middle of the lineup is just absolutely gross. Xander Bogarts, J.D. Martinez, and Rafael Devers all in between a 309 and a 319. And all these guys have 29 plus home runs. For Devers, 29 home runs. You've got Xander Bogarts with 31 of them. And then J.D. Martinez, 34. You've got Brock Holt and Marco Hernandez. Two guys are able to hit above a 3 iron for this team. You need to get a little bit more out of guys like Scott Travis, Jackie Bradley Jr., and Sandy Leon. These guys are all in below a 240. But well, that's your biggest concern on offense. That's pretty stinking good. 
Meanwhile, with the New York Yankees, you certainly are getting a lot of production. And man, you've got a lot of injuries as well. ZJ LeMayu going to really have to carry this team with regards to a batting average. He's got 24 home runs, 90 RBI. He is hitting a 334. Wound up getting the day off a couple days ago, but yeah, I think that he's going to be good to go for this one. Then you got a lot of guys hitting between a 265 and a 276. And Mike Talkman, Austin Romine, Luke Voigt, Aaron Judge. These guys are all in that realm. Didi Gregorius and Edwin Encarnacion along with Brett Gardner. All in between a 240 and 253. Gotta think that these guys are going to be able to pick it up. And in the case of Edwin Encarnacion, it's done a terrific job of being able to get on base. 344 on base percentage. He also slugs out the home runs with 31 of them. But the real guy that's really supplying the power, Glaber Torres. 34 home runs, 283 batting average. He's been spectacular. And then you got Gary Sanchez. He does a great job of being able to supply some yard work as well. He's got 34 home runs on the year. This is a game in which I'm going to need to see where the total shakes out, but we've been noticing in Boston, a lot of these totals have been 11 plus runs regardless of who takes the mound, so likely going to be looking at an under here despite the fact that Boston has been one of the top over ballparks out there in the big leagues, and the Yankees have been over 64% to the over whenever they've been on the road, so we're going to be looking at that, and I just really can't give you a side until I know who's going to be pitching for the Boston Red Sox or what their plan is, so check back in the morning at GNR Squirty 1 for set plays there, but that's sort of where I'm leaning on this game. And here's where we pick things up from the D in Las Vegas, Nevada. As we move on to 919, 920 in the bang rotation. Tampa Bay Rays are going to be playing those the Toronto Blue Jays. For the Toronto Blue Jays, you got Clay Buckles and Brandon McKay is going to be going for the Tampa Bay Rays, even though it's currently not listed on the betting board. That is according to ESPN, which is why this game is presently off the board. And, well, things for Brandon McKay have not went well recently. You take a look at the month of August, he made four starts. He gave up three or more runs in every one of them. As a matter of fact, you go back to July, and the three starts he made in July gave up three-plus runs in two of them. So this is a guy that's really given him up, 533 ERA. His home run count is just way too high. He's given up over two home runs for nine innings. Meanwhile, Clay Buckles, ever since coming out the injured list, strangely enough, has actually been okay. He's made two starts so far against the Seattle Mariners and the Houston Astros. Went five and two-thirds innings and six innings, giving up a combined four and runs. He's backed up by a bullpen that... It's not great, but it's not awful of the Toronto Blue Jays. Now, what you have to be mindful of with the Toronto Blue Jays is the fact that you just don't have a lot of guys that are hitting for average in general. When you take a look at the Toronto Blue Jays, you really have two guys that are hitting above a 240 for this team. Boba Shett and Vlad Guerrero Jr. We all know what Vlad Ito is able to do. He's hitting right around a 275, and that Boba Shett, 327 batting average. He had a monster home run yesterday to lead off the game. Reese McGuire is also hitting above a 280, but at the same time, not a usual player. Then you got the guys that they have power but no average whatsoever. Randall Gritchick, Rowdy Telez, Tasker Hernandez, Justin Smoke. All these guys have 17 plus home runs. All these guys hitting a 231 or lower. Then you got guys like Kavon Biggio, Derek Fisher. They're not really doing much. And then for the Tampa Bay Rays, you got a lot of mixed power for this team. As you got Aviseo Garcia, Austin Meadows, Tommy Pham, only between a 269 and a 281. Austin Meadows, really the matcher of this team. For the year, he's got 26 home runs. Kind of like the fact that Tommy Pham and Aviseo Garcia have been able to give a little bit of power as well. For Pham, 20 home runs. Aviseo Garcia went deep 17 times. And then got quite a few guys that are hitting in that realm of just above a 250 to right around a 248. William Thomas, I know like Kevin Kiermaier is hitting below a 248. He's hitting more around a 241, but he's been in this mix all year long. G-Man Choi, Travis no. These are all guys that are doing an okay job for this team. I do think that the Tampa Bay Rays have a little bit of a bullpen advantage, but 
If you're going to be giving me a big plus price with the Toronto Blue Jays, going to wind up taking it. And it's going to be interesting to see what the total comes out at as well. If you're seeing a total north of 9, probably going to be taking it under. If you're seeing something at like an 8, which I doubt, but sometimes with Tropicana Field, you do get low totals, then I'd be looking at it over. So check back in the morning on my Twitter feed at GNRSCORD1. Initial thoughts there. 921-922 on the bank rotation. These Chicago White Sox are going to be playing all the LA Angels. Dylan Peters goes for the Angels. Lucas Giolito for the Chicago White Sox. Your total on this game is 9.5. Under is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. The over is anywhere between even minus 105. Looking at the White Sox, laying anywhere between minus 138 and minus 140. Meanwhile, plus price on the Angels. It's anywhere between one point, plus 128 and plus 130. This Angels bullpen is something I want absolutely no part of. We saw what they were able to do yesterday. They were absolutely atrocious, giving up nine runs in the final two innings of the game. In the month of August, they were in the bottom five of the big leagues with regards to ERA. Meanwhile, for Lucas Giolito, he's not where he was in like late May, early June, but at the same time, he has been very solid ever since the All-Star break. He's given up more than 300 runs to just two out of his 10 starts. So he's been doing the job there. He's coming off an outing in which he gave up 400 runs against the Atlanta Braves are very understandable. And he's backed up by a pretty decent bullpen. And for the Chicago White Sox, this is a team that's now riding a little bit of momentum. They won two out of their last three games against the Cleveland Indians. And you don't have a lot of guys that are doing a great job of being able to drive them in. But you do actually have some decent batting averages on this team. As you've got Ryan Goins who's seeing some, bat- some at-bats. He, along with Yomer Sanchez and Eli Jimenez, in between a 254 and a 260. Tim Anderson has been terrific for this team. Draws absolutely no walks whatsoever, but he's hitting a 332. Then have Loris Garcia and Jose Abreu all hitting in the realm of a 275 to a 285 for Abreu. Over 100 RBI, 28 home runs. They got a lot of rest yesterday, a lot of these guys, but still have a couple guys that, well, they need to pick it up with the bat. Wellington Castillo, he had a nice hit yesterday, but he's still hitting right around a 209. Adam Mingo, Ryan Cordell, Zach Collins, and Daniel Polka is one for 53. Absolutely awful. All these guys hitting at 231 or lower. Then you take a look at the flip side for the LA Angels. You do have a lot of guys that are hitting quite well for this team. It is all led off by Mike Trout. We all know what Mike Trout's able to do by now. Hitting just below 300. His home run count hovering right around a 45. He has nearly 100 RBI. He's been absolutely spectacular. Edward Bulls has actually been decent as well. 253 batting average. No longer a everyday player, but he's got 21 home runs, 84 RBI. You also have Shoy Otani, Daniel Fletcher, and Brian Goodwin all in between a 283 and a 295. But then you got the famine bats for this team as Kevon Smith, Justin Upton, Wilfredo Tovar, Matt Theus, Max Stassi, all these guys hitting a 220 or lower. Jared Walsh is hitting a 231. Luis Rangifo seeing his batting average dip to a 239. Cole Calhoun's only hitting a 237, but at the very least, he supplies some power. 28 home runs on the year for him. And then you've got Andrelton Simmons, who's been a hot mess that's coming off the injury list, now hitting a 265. Just have absolutely no faith whatsoever in this LA Angels bullpen. I will say, though, I do think that the Chicago White Sox going to get a terrific outing from Lucas Giolito. I think that's going to be able to keep the score down. I do look at the Chicago White Sox in this spot and the under. With the White Sox, I wound up blocking this thing in already. Money's coming in on them. Meanwhile, in this under, looking to see if I'm able to get an unjuiced 9.5 and would like to be able to lock that in. 
923-924 on the bang rotation. The Cleveland Indians are in the road to face off against the Minnesota Twins. Michael Pineda goes for the Twins. And Umplutko goes for the Cleveland Indians. Your total on this game is 10 and a half. Under is juice of minus 120. The over is even. If you're looking at the Twins, that's anywhere between minus 164 and minus 175. Meanwhile, your plus price here with the Indians, anywhere between 152 and 155. And this is a spot where I certainly do have to take a look at the Cleveland Indians with this plus price. And Umplutko has given up more than 300 runs to just Two starts out of his last eight. So he's actually been pretty spectacular. Big bugaboo of him is that he's given up right around two home runs per nine innings. And we do all know about what the Minnesota Twins have been able to do. Right-handed pitching, left-handed pitching, pitching from Pluto. They are hitting home runs regardless. And for this team, you've got Max Kepler and Nelson Cruz already with 35-plus home runs. That is just absolutely ridiculous. And then got so many guys are hitting for a good batting average as well as You've got Cruz, Luis Arias, and Jorge Polanco all hitting above a 300. Then you got like Mitch Garver, who's got 23 plus home runs, CJ Crone, and then Nabra Jonathan Scope has a bunch of home runs. All these guys hit right around a 250, and in the case of Mitch Carver, a 272. They're all doing a great job of being able to get on base. Then for the Cleveland Indians at the top of the lineup, things are getting better for this team as you've got Francisco Lindor and Carlos Santana both hitting between a 285 and a 300. In the case of Santana, he's got 32 home runs. Francisco Lindor has been able to go deep 27 times. I think you are getting a little bit of improved hitting out there in the outfield. Taylor Naquin has not been seen for quite a while, but he's a guy that's been hitting right around a 285 to a 290 recently. You've got Oscar Mercado, who's been hitting averages dipping, but he's hitting right around 270. Do you need to get more out of guys like Jake Bowers, Kevin Pillar, Greg Allen, and Roberto Perez? They are all hitting a 235 or lower, but then you got Matt Freeman hitting a 286. Chase Kipnis is in a little bit of a slide. He, Fenmiel Reyes, and Yasiel Puig only between a 243 and a 257. In the case of Reyes, though, he's been doing a great job supplying some power. Great total of 34 home runs for the year, and Yasiel Puig 24. I do think that this is a spot in which the Indians are going to be able to do a good job of being able to get to Michael Pineda, who has given up more than three home runs just once since the beginning of the month of June. Now, he has given up a couple home runs, but ever since the beginning of the year, he's been doing a much better job. His swing and miss stuff has also improved. He's got six-plus strikeouts in three out of his last four starts, so that's very encouraging. I do think that the Cleveland Indians bullpen, which has been a little bit shaky, but still number one with regards to ERA, going to be able to big up a big win against the Minnesota Twins in a lower-scoring game. So for that reason, going to be taking this total under, and I'm going to be riding with the Cleveland Indians, seeing a lot of money coming out of the Twins, so I'm waiting to see mode there. And with regards to this under, certainly don't want to be laying that minus 120 juice. We go to another game that's off the board, 925-926 on the bank rotation. Houston Astros are going to be playing host the Seattle Mariners. It is good old undecided for the Seattle Mariners. Meanwhile, Fanbar Valdez goes for the Houston Astros. And the Astros are going to want Fanbar Valdez to give a great start here because, well, Wade Miley, the starter yesterday, recorded as many outs as the man doing this podcast. That is called not good. Fanbar Valdez was really a failed starter earlier on this year. In the month of August, he did wind up making a couple starts and. Mixed results in his first start. He gave up one run in six innings against the Angels. Next start, he gives up six and five and two-thirds against the Toronto Blue Jays. You just don't know what you're going to get from this guy game to game, and he's given up way too many walks, right around five walks per nine innings. What we do know for the Seattle Mariners is that they are going to have Tommy Malone as the bulk guy in this one, and Tommy Malone, well, things have not been going well for him as he wound up making six starts in the month of August, or I should say six starts slash bulk appearances, and three of those, he wound up giving up two earned runs or fewer, and the other ones, he gave up four plus. And you take a look at it, he has given up four earned runs or more, six out of his last 11 
bulk appearances and or starts. He has really been giving it up, and the Seattle Mariners bullpen looked decent for a little bit of a stretch. It seems to have regressed once again, and for the Houston Astros, they've got one of the better bullpens out there in the big leagues, but like I just mentioned, it's going to be badly taxed. As for the Seattle Mariners, don't even have a lot of guys that are hitting for a good batting average. As got a lot of guys that are struggling in that regard. Daniel Vogelback, along with Jake Fraley, Ben Bishop, Ryan Court, Mac Williamson, Keon Broxton, Dylan Moore. All these guys are hitting a 225 or under. But I will say for Daniel Vogelback, on base percentage hovering right around a 350. 29 home runs for him. So he's at the very least been providing that. And then you have D. Gordon and Malik Smith both in the fold. Malik Smith right now leads the big leagues with regards to stolen bases at D. Gordon. Hitting at 283, he's one of the better base dealers that you're going to find. Kyle Seeger has really heated up with the bat. He's now hitting at 253, 20 home runs for the year. I think he's got 15 ever since the month of August. He's been insane. Then you got Omar Navias and Thomas Murphy. Navias has been out the last couple days, but both these guys hitting above 275 between them. They've got 35 plus home runs. And you are noticing that Tim Lopez is doing a good job with his average at 280. And then for the Houston Astros, this is a team that is just destroying all pitching. Jose Altuve, Michael Brantley, Jordan Alvarez, Yuri Gurriel, all guys hitting a 300 or greater. And Alex Bregman, hot on their heels, hitting a 296. He's got 33 home runs. With Altuve, he's got right around 25 home runs. Jordan Alvarez is getting a home run every 12 at bats. Gurriel is over 90 RBI. All these guys are doing a great job. El Mendes Diaz is back in the fold. He's hitting a 270. Josh Reddick at 265. Kyle Tucker just got called up to the big leagues as well. So. They certainly have a lock loaded and ready for bear lineup. If this total is anything below 11, I'm going to be taking it over with these two teams. Right now, if you're going to give me the Seattle Mayors at like plus 250 or something ridiculous, certainly would have to consider it. Fran Barvaldez has been a big favorite and has failed in a lot of those spots. If this is more of a conventional line like the Astros minus 150, we'll be looking at them. So check back in the morning on my Twitter feed at GNR's Cordial set plays there. We move on to 927-928 on the vegetation. The Oakland A's play the Detroit Tigers. Spencer Turnbull goes for the Tigers. Homer Bailey for the Oakland A's. Your total on this game is 9. Overs anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The unders anywhere between even and minus 110. If you're looking at the A's, you're playing anywhere between minus 230 and minus 250. Plus price on the Tigres is anywhere between plus $2 and plus 215. This is a spot where I can't even consider the Detroit Tigers, considering the way that Spencer Turnbull has pitched ever since getting injured. He is also getting absolutely no run support whatsoever. In his starts, he's getting less than three runs per game. That is absolutely putrid. And then you take a look at the Oakland A's. They are actually getting a whole lot of something out of Homer Bailey. In his eight starts so far for the team, he has given up three earned runs or fewer at six of them. Now, he has had two blow-up starts in which he gave up a combined 16 earned runs against the Cubs and the Houston Astros. But he's done a better job of being able to cut down the walks on the, and the home runs since last year. 12-8 record, 496 ERA. And for Spencer Turnbull, does a good job of keeping the ball in the yard giving up less than a home run per nine innings, but he's going to be facing an Oakland A's team that has been doing a very good job with their bats. We saw it yesterday, the late run that they were able to make, and now a lot of guys are in right around a 270 for this team. Marcus Simeon and Mark Hanna, both hitting between a 270 and a 277. And Matt Olson also up to a 269 as well. All these guys have 23 plus home runs. And in the case of Matt Olson, this guy that's getting a home run every 12 to 13 at bats as he's got 28 on the campaign. Cannot sleep on Matt Jabman. 256 batting average. He has went deep 31 times so far this year for this team. Got a couple guys that they do need to pick it up with the bat. Sheldon Noyce, Chris Davis, Jerickson Profar, Chris Herman. All these guys are hitting a 220 or lower. Then you got Jad Pinder hitting a 233. But 
You have to like what you're seeing as well from Jeff Feigley getting right around at 246. He was able to get a home run yesterday as well. And for the Oakland A's, bullpen has been a little bit hit or miss. They're right around league average ever since the beginning of the month of August. We saw the trial and tribulation that they went through in that series against the Yankees. But for the Detroit Tigers, bullpen has been badly gassed. And just have nobody getting power for this team. Brandon Dixon, right now the best home run hitter on this roster. He's got 15 home runs. Batting average is hovering right around at 250. And I will say for the Detroit Tigers, you do have some guys that are starting to up their batting average. Victor Reyes hitting a 317. Harold Castro along with Miguel Cabrera both hitting right around a 275 to a 285. Then you've got Christian Stewart is hitting right around a 240 along with Darwell Lugo. And Jordy Mercer's now hitting a 275. That's nice because you've got Jaimir Canelario, Ronnie Rodriguez, Grayson Griner, Wilson at the catcher's spot, Willie Castro, Gordon Beckham, the list goes on and on of guys are in a 225 or lower. Nico Goodrum is still out of the fold. This is just a spot where I can't even look at the Detroit Tigers, and I think that the Oakland A's are going to possibly be able to get this total all by themselves. So for that reason, looking at the A's on the run line and the total over with the over, I'd like to be able to get some more favorable juice. The minus 110 is certainly something that I'm going to be looking at. And then when it comes to the run line, seeing that at minus 120, like to be able to lay a little bit less, but the way that this line is moving, that's probably going to be my best option as we move on to the final game on the Las Vegas betting board. 929-930. Kansas City Royals are going to be hitting the road to face off against the Miami Marlins. Pablo Lopez is going to be going for the Miami Marlins. Meanwhile, Jorge Lopez is going for the Kansas City Royals. Total on this game is 8.5. The under is just a minus 115. The over is minus 105. Looking at the fish, anywhere between minus 120 and minus 128. Your plus price here with the Kansas City Royals. Anywhere between plus 110 and plus 118. When Jorge Lopez was relegated from the starting rotation, this was back in early June, late May. He was the second least profitable pitcher out there in the big leagues. Just dollars behind Chris Sale. He has been burning your money as I believe the team has won only two of his starts so far this year. He has been a little bit better recently, but I still have a very tough time trusting him. Meanwhile, Pablo Lopez. This is a guy that ever since coming off the injured list has not been as sharp as he was prior to going on it. Prior to going on the injured list, his fielding independent was about six cents of a point better than his ERA. His ERA was right around a 4.25, but in its two starts since coming back, 10 runs over the course of eight innings. This is a guy that's done a decent job of keeping the ball in the yard, giving up right around 1.3 home runs per nine innings. So probably is helpful that he's facing Jorge Lopez at his 6.61 ERA. For Lopez, taking a look at what he did in the month of August, in his essentially three appearances in which he went four plus innings, he gave up four plus runs in three of them. It is just not good with this guy. You can't have any faith in either of these bullpens. And for the Miami Marlins, they're right now without their best power bat in Brett Anderson. Brett Anderson, guy that has hit 20 home runs so far this year. Batting average just right around a 250-ish, give or take a little bit. But for the Miami Marlins, you now do have some guys that are starting to get on base for this team. Sterling Castro, John Birdie, Garrett Cooper, Neil Walker, Harold Ramirez, Brian Holiday. All guys hitting between a 265 and a 277. Aside from Holiday's in the 280s. You do have some guys that, well, they do need to pick it up with the bat, though. Isan Diaz, along with Curtis Granderson, Austin Dean, and Yadiel Rivera. All guys are hitting a 210 or lower, so that has obviously been an issue. And then what else has been an issue for the Kansas City Royals is the fact that they've got a lot of guys that are not hitting very well. But you do have the guys at the top that are doing a very good job for this team. Adelberto Mondesi, one of the top base heroes out there in the big leagues, hitting a 270. So that has been a big boost for this team, getting him back. 
Got Chester Cuthbert and Alex Gordon named between a 247 and a 257 along with Jorge Soler. Jorge Soler, it's 40 home runs. He's got nearly 100 RBI. He's been great at Whitmerfield, hitting a 306. But then from there, got the guys that are not doing so well as you've got Nick Dini, Bubba Starlin, Ryan O'Hearn, Lucas Duda, Eric Mejia, Umberto Ortega. All these guys are hitting a 215 or lower. It is absolutely atrocious, but you know what gets atrocious bats online? Atrocious pitching. And the Miami Marlins have played over 60% of their home games to the over. I do think that the Marlins have a little bit more of a trustworthy starter in Pablo Lopez. So for that reason, I am going to be on the Miami Marlins and I've already locked in that money line. I'm going to be taking this total over, trying to see if this dips down to an 8 because I am noticing that the juice is on the under. But going to be playing both of those. So that'll do it for the Friday edition of MLB Overtime Betting. Big thanks to our guest, Steve Eitner, for joining me in the last segment. If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you ever have any questions for the podcast, feel free to tweet it in at GNRSQuarty1. Let's make today a successful, profitable, and fun one. I'll talk to you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.